As I get ready to get into the word, let's just take a moment to just be quiet before him and let the Holy Spirit move right now. Jesus. Holy Spirit, move today. Less of me and more of you, God. None of me and all of you, God. May your words be spoken today, God. May our time be edifying unto you. Jesus, we reverence you in this moment. Say, Lord, have your way in our lives. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, the title of my message today is Emunah. Can everybody say Emunah? emunah. Let's try it one more time. Say Emunah. I know it's kind of hard to read. I didn't design that one very well, Brittany. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Emunah is the title of my message today. And Emunah is the Hebrew word for faith. It's the Hebrew word for faith. And I want us to talk about faith today. And I want us to talk about Emunah today. Because the word faith, from a Western perspective... It's, it's really almost been watered down to an abstract belief in God. It's, it's been watered down to an abstract theory that we have in our minds and maybe a little bit in our hearts, but it doesn't go further than that. It puts all of the action on God. We say we have faith in God. We have faith that God will show up. We have faith that God will do something. And in English, in our Western belief, in our church culture here in America, we've put all the work and all the burden and all of the action on God when we say the word faith. We've gotten to a place in our culture, we've gotten to a place in our society, in our churches, where we've created this fandom around Jesus. We've created this fandom around the Bible. We've created a fan culture that serves us rather than followers that are willing to pick up their crosses and serve the Lord each and every day. We've created really good fans, fans that like the ideas that this word has, fans that like the ideas of what Jesus did, but when it comes time to put them into practice, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between what we have to do and what we like the sound of. There's a disconnect between the idea of forgiveness and actually forgiving somebody. There's a separation there. And we've created this idea of faith in this church culture 
where we've created movie theaters, essentially, for God. If you look at when you go to the movie, maybe you went and saw your favorite Spider-Man or whatever it is that you watch, and you go in the movie and there's this experience where we all are fans of this thing, right? We all like Spider-Man, we all enjoy watching the movie together, but we go in, sneak in, sit down in our seats, maybe eat some popcorn, candy, and when the movie ends, we get up and we walk out. You don't talk to the people that you were sitting in that movie with. You don't care about the people that were sitting over there and the people that were sitting over there. You came in, you enjoyed your show, and you got up and you left. And the church has started to adopt that movie theater culture where we treat our faith the same way, where we treat our congregations these same ways, where we say, this is a great thing to be a fan of. You should think about this. Put faith in God because God is good. God is sovereign. He'll do all these things, but it has no indictment upon you. Come sit down, enjoy the movie. Don't care about TJ's birthday. Don't care about this family member that's going through it. Don't care about anything that's going on in this room. Come enjoy the show, hear a Christian motivational speech with a couple godly themes in it, and walk out and don't say anything to anybody. That's where we've gotten to. And I love that Pastor Troy has been using his Wednesdays to talk about the early church because we have to get back to a place where this is enough. Where this is enough, where this isn't an entertainment, this isn't a show, this isn't a show for you to come sit down and be entertained. No, this is a place where you find your family. This is a place where you're fed the word of God. This is a place where you are pushed to grow. You shouldn't be the same way you were. I talked about it last week in Cleveland. I said, if you're a first-time visitor, you got about two weeks. (laughs) You got about two weeks to keep living the same way. After that, you're going to be pushed. You're going to be discipled. You're going to be connected. You're going to be pulled forward to get closer to him. Because when we talk about the word faith, we have to break this perspective that said, God, you're going to do this. God, I'm putting all the action upon you. God knows he's faithful. God knows it. But when we talk about the word emunah, everybody say emunah again. When you say it in the Hebrew, the Hebrew context of the word puts the action on us. It's an action word that actually breaks down Heb into the word trust. And when you put trust with emunah, it's the support of trust. It's the support of truth. It's the support of saying, I know this word is true, and I'm not just putting the action on God. I'm not just putting the action upon God. I'm taking the action upon myself to support the truth of this word. I'm taking the action upon myself to support the truth of this word. Because emunah is an action word. It's not an abstract concept. It's not an abstract idea. It's a verb. <laughs> it's an action that is placed upon you supporting truth. Saying this word is true And I'm not just sitting here saying, God is faithful, God is faithful. No, I'm going to pick this up and be obedient to what it says because I support truth. That's your emunah. And so church, today we're going to look at examples of emunah through the Bible. We're going to look at the examples of people who lived by faith and then how we should be living by faith because we have this truth that he has called us to support. 
We have this truth that he has called us to have emunah in. Through the good, through the bad. Through the ups, through the downs. It's hard to have emunah when things are going good. Because you're like, I got this. My mom just gave a perfect example. I got a job, I got the house, I got everything I wanted. Are you being obedient in that? Are you still running to the altar? Because I see this cycle in church and it goes, okay, I'm doing good. I don't really need God. We got this. We can miss a couple Sundays. We can miss this. We don't have to go to it. We don't have to get our kids to DSM. They're doing good. They play sports. And then everything crashes. And we see people run to the altar. Oh, God, I'm sick. Oh, God, my family is destroyed. Oh, God, I'm ready to, I'm ready to follow you now that I need you. Now I'll come up here and say, you're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. And God's saying, are you? I know who I am. My words I speak become reality. The word that I speak becomes truth. The word that I speak becomes your entire existence. I know I have faith. I know I'm going to do what this word says. That's what God is saying. But he says, what about you? Are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to support the truth of this word? Because when we have emunah, it puts responsibility on us to live a life obedient to his word. First step to that is knowing it. If you don't know this word, you can't have faith. If you don't read this word, you can't have faith. That's a reality check for every person in here. If you do not read this Bible, you do not have faith. You're a fan of what God does. You're a fan of God's faith. But you do not have emunah for yourself. Why? Because you don't even know what his voice sounds like. If you don't read this Bible, you don't know what he's saying to you. All you hear is your own thoughts, your own heart. Your own ways, your own desires. The heart's deceitful above all else. That's what you follow if you don't read this word. So when we talk about being a fan versus a follower, if we don't have step one of picking this up and making this our reality, if we don't have the first step of making this our perspective, of making this our truth, you can't support truth you don't know. You can't listen to a voice that you've never heard before and you don't understand that you're walking with him daily. How are you supposed to know? And so that's, that might hurt a little bit. You say, well, I listen to you know, a YouTube pastor sometimes when I'm getting ready for work and I listen to all the Christian music and I, you know, I try to do a little bit. Okay, but if you don't read this, if you don't pick this up, you don't have faith. You don't have emunah. If you don't pick this up when you're tired, if you don't say, God, I don't care if I don't have anything, I'm going to walk in here and give you everything I do have. If you don't say, man, God, I know it's a struggle. I know it's a struggle to give in this offering. I love that example you gave, Mom. I know it's a struggle. I woke up this morning and said, CNC, push pay, automatic giving statement. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't got no money, God. You just took the rest of it. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's not easy. But I have the munah. I have the obedience to say, God, I'm going to get up and do whatever it is you need me to do. 
I'm going to get up and be who you've called me to be. I'm going to get up and follow this word. I'm going to get up and read this word because I want to hear your voice. I want to be filled with emunah. I don't need to tell you how faithful you are, God. Your, your faithfulness created this earth. I don't need to tell you that. God, let me show you how faithful I will be in every single season, up and down, good and bad. Let me show you how faithful I'll be because when we're faithful, and we stand on this truth and support the truth of this word, that is when we can walk in step with him. That is when we can walk in the fullness of his promises. That is when, when life is going terrible, you say, uh, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say, so, oh, you said I'm sick. No, I'm not sick. I'm healed of the Lord. By his stripes, I've been healed. I'm a conqueror. I'm not this downtrodden person, victim. No, 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 no. I'm a warrior for God. I stand on this truth. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to walk with Emunah, that is when he is able to use us in mighty ways. So I wanted to give us that Hebrew connotation because I'm reading from Hebrews today. And I want to read the entirety of Hebrews 11. So if you're reading, you can turn there. We'll have it up there for you. But Hebrews 11 shows us these beautiful examples, church, of people who lived with Emunah. People who lived with Emunan. If you don't know these names, if you don't know these stories, I don't want to lose you. That's okay if you're just starting out. Or if you're a Christian who just doesn't read their Bible, I love that. <laughs> We're going to pull you. Like I said, you got, you got two weeks to be here, and then you're going to get pulled. You're going to get discipled. You're going to get pushed. You got about two minutes now in this sermon because I'm going to encourage you to keep reading this word every chance I get because it's all we have. This is the only truth that we have here. People are not the truth. Man-made creations are not the truth. This is the truth. And so if you don't know these names, if you don't know these stories, that's okay. I encourage you to do some homework and literally read every single one of these stories in depth. Read them. Read what happened. Read the stories of these, these people in the Bible that had emunah because they'll build your faith. And even though they happened 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago, you'll begin to realize how much they apply to your every single day. So as we read Hebrews 11, we get to see these people that had emunah. In Hebrews 11, one, it says, now faith, we all know this one. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Having faith, this is what they were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. He created us by emunah. He created us with emunah. We have been created. Our essence is faith. Our essence is obedience to the truth that is God. The truth that is his, wo his voice spoken. That is our essence. By Emunah, we were created. It goes on, it says by, in verse 4, By faith, Abel, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. 
Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 7, by faith. When, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going, church. Even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith. Everybody say by faith. By faith faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations who architect and builder is God. Verse 11. And by faith. Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them And welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. You were foreigners and strangers on earth. In your faith today, your emunah that you carry today, you might not see the fruit of it. You might be in heaven and you see those generational curses that you by faith broke. You might be sitting there and God says, hey, come here, look at this. (laughs) remember that emunah that you had look at your great 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 grandchildren look at them do you see them that was your emunah that was your emunah because you are foreigners on this earth this is a temporary home this is a temporary life but your emunah even though you didn't see it Even though you built a boat, Noah, when everybody else was making fun of you. Even though you trusted God at this childbearing age of 90 years old, Sarah. Even though you went, Abraham, into a land that was not your own. And God said, it's promised to you. Even though you're not going to see the generations as many as the sand on the shore. Your emunah will bring it to pass. Your emunah will carry you. We'll go to 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. He's prepared a city for us, church. Verse 17, by faith... Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. 
He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. God promised this child to Abraham. When he's 90, 90 years old and is getting ready to be done, he promised this child to him. He gave them this child and then turned around and said, hey, sacrifice him to me. Even though I said this is the offspring that will bring many nations, even though I said this is the offspring that will carry your generations, I want you to take him and sacrifice him. By faith. <laughs> and by faith, it is said, even though God had said to him, it is Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And, and so, in manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Parents, that's for you. When you look at those kids that you have been made responsible for, you better have emunah. Do not listen to the edict of this world that says you have to sacrifice your children to their school systems that you have to sacrifice your children to your social circles, that you have to sacrifice your children to this culture of knowing more about their game than about this word. Have emunah. Don't care about the world's edict. Make this a priority. In verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, everybody say, by faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab became, because she was welcomed, the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edges of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. 
There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. These were people that lived with Emunah. These were people that lived by faith. And like I said, if you don't know even one of those people, better go back and read it. I love the Old Testament. Oh my goodness, it's the best. Yes, Old Testament is the best. Because you get to see these people who were obedient in spite of the circumstances. You get to see Moses, who had the opportunity to have every pleasure this world could offer at the time. He threw it off. You see that these mothers and these fathers had emunah with their children. They wouldn't sacrifice them to the culture of this world. You see the people who didn't have anything, and God gave them everything who still had emunah in the midst of the worst situations. And we see the martyrs, the people who were being persecuted, cut in two, stabbed, killed, flogged, all of these things, who still said, God, I'll be obedient. I'll be obedient. That's the entirety of Hebrews 11. I want us to get a little bit into 12. Because 11 shows us the examples, but 12 teaches us how we are to live with emunah. It shows us how we are supposed to live. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by people who know the Lord, people who read this word, people who stand on this truth and say, I have faith, people who say, I have emunah for 6,000 years of truth that we have access to. Therefore, since they came before us and set the precedence of supporting truth with their lives, in spite of anything they were going through, in spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstance, in spite of not having money, in spite of not understanding standing or worrying. They said, God, I will be obedient. Therefore, since you are a part of this truth, in Romans 11, it says you have been grafted into this. You have been grafted into this tree. The root of Jesse is your sustenance now. That is your truth now. This isn't just a story for Jewish people. This is yours. This is your history. This cloud of witnesses that didn't get to see it on earth, but were waiting for the heaven that was to come for all of us to be a part. It's for us. You're surrounded by them. Therefore, since you are surrounded by, given examples by, given blueprints to how you should live. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let's break that down because he separates both of those there, and I love it. The word separates those two. It says everything that hinders first. 
and then sin that so easily entangles. We have to throw off everything that hinders. He didn't say sin. He said everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. That means that relationship. That means that thing that is pleasure to you. It can be something great. God has given us gifts. God has given us many things to bring us joy, to make us happy, to satisfy us, that we can work on and build. And he's given us skills and the ability to have amazing purpose on this world and do all these awesome things. He's given you children. He's given them dreams and passions and things for them to explore and discover. But if any of those things hinder you from this, good or bad, and a lot of the times it's good, A lot of the times we fall to our pleasure before we fall to things that bring us pain. We have to throw off everything that hinders. Not just some things. Every single thing that hinders, we have to throw it off. That relationship that you love so much, that job that you've worked so hard to get up to. If it hinders you from being with him, if it hinders you from having emunah, I hear that a lot. I have friends say, oh, man, I got this promotion, but so that means I can't go to you know, church anymore. I'm not able to read my word as much. Uh-uh-uh. What is, what, what is it worth? What is it worth? Oh, I take my kids to 15 hours a day of training after school. They can't come to DSM. Sorry. They have baseball every single night, basketball every single morning, theater practice every single afternoon. For what? Throw off everything that hinders you. Throw off everything that hinders you from having emunah. Throw off everything that stands between you and the truth of coming into this room and worshiping your Savior. The truth of waking up and reading this word. Oh, my friends think I'm, I'm stupid for going in there, giving my money to that church. It's all a big scam. Throw it off. Throw it off. I don't really need to be in relationship and covenant with you. I don't really need to be in relationship and covenant with people who slander, who gossip. I don't care how funny you are or how great you make me feel. I have to throw off everything that would hinder me from following this. Then it goes on. It says, in the sin that so easily entangles. I don't need to tell you how easy it is to fall to sin. If you haven't found that already, you might be a little delusional. <laughs> we know how easy it is to fall into sin. I always present it like this. I say sin is like a McDonald's cheeseburger. <laughs> when you see that commercial on TV, maybe it's late at night, you're hungry. <laughs> and they put that cheeseburger on the TV and it looks beautiful. Oh my goodness. The bun looks just right. Every little seed is on there. The cheese is like perfectly centered. Little hints of ketchup sticking out. The pickles, the onions, everything looks great. They got the upbeat meat. Yeah, some of y'all are like, oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> McDonald's, you owe me some money. So <laughs> you look at the cheeseburger commercial and you say, oh, my goodness, that is good. And then you go and you buy one. 
you go and you buy one, and the experience, just the experience of it, it's not like the commercial. The commercial's got these upbeat music, the person giving you the cheeseburger smiling and happy. And God bless the, the, the drive through workers, but whoo, they act like you bothering them. <laughs> like, why are you mad at me? I came here to pay for something. <laughs> why are you treating me like I'm inconveniencing you? So that after they throw your cheeseburger at your face, <laughs> you open it up. It doesn't look like that commercial anymore. <laughs> Cheese half melted off the side of the wrapper, ketchup squirting out of the side of it. It's all messy. They don't have any of the toppings that they said they were going to put on there. The patties look like paper. That's sin. That's how sin entangles us. Because the devil makes it look so good. But it doesn't even, the experience isn't even as good as what it looks like. And then when you actually get that thing, Ugh, it's just nasty. And after you eat it, you don't feel good either. <laughs> if you're real with yourself. After you eat it, it's like, oh, this is disgusting. What was I doing? Why? So we have to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. We have to throw off everything that would hinder us first. And then we got to get rid of sin. We have to get rid of it. It goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We have to run our race with perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. We have to run our race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. He left us a path. He was the pioneer. He was the trailblazer of what this faith looked like. He came in and he cut down the path for you and I to walk on so that we could just at least try our very, very best to look even a little bit like him. He was the perfecter because he was perfect. He was the word made flesh. But we have to run with perseverance. I love in James 1 verse 2, it says, count it all as joy. When you face trials of many kinds. Count it all as joy when you face trials of many kinds. We should become a people that get excited when we're going through it. This morning when I saw that my money come out of my bank account, I should have said, yes. I ain't got no money this week. I know exactly what's about to happen. I'm going to be joyful. Why? Because the testing of your faith builds perseverance. That's what it says. James 1 verse 2, the testing of your faith builds perseverance. It goes on to say, let perseverance complete you. Let perseverance mature you so that you don't lack anything. You see, that's why it's important to read this word so that when you face trials of many kinds, you can have joy and say, God, this is going to be good. This is going to be good because I know that the testing of my emunah, the testing of me being obedient and supporting truth is going to build my faith. It's going to build my maturity. It's going to complete me. It's going to build my perseverance. 
I know I'm about to go through a storm. I feel it. I see it. I see what's going on. It hurts me. But the testing of my faith builds perseverance. And when I have perseverance, I can become a mature and complete Christian. I can become mature. We can't be spiritual babies anymore. If we want to run this race, if we want to be able to throw off the things that hinder, if we want to be able to get out of sin that so easily entangles, we have to be mature and complete with emunah, ready to support the truth in every season. We got to get excited when we face trials of many kinds. Get excited today, church. That's a word for some of you in here. You walked in here today. And you're going through it. I know it. I can feel it. He knows it too. His word is truth. When he spoke, this universe came to life. You don't need to tell him how faithful he is. You need to show him how faithful you are. Show him that your emunah is strong. Ready to fight ready to be obedient, ready to read this word and follow what his voice has to say to us. We go on. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame. A lot of times when we think of Jesus, we think he came down to earth as like some superhero that couldn't feel anything. A lot of times we forget the fact that he was completely human. He threw off every power of heaven. He allowed God to use him to perform miracles the same way you and I can. But he threw it all off. He didn't make himself stronger. He didn't increase his attributes to make him better than anybody else. No. He was fully man. When he was walking through the desert with those sandals on, I'm sure he stubbed his toe and screamed out a couple times. (laughs) He didn't cuss, but I'm sure it didn't feel good still. (laughs) He was fully man. He was fully human. He felt it. He went through it. His feelings were hurt. He had days where he was sad. He had days where he was hurting. He had days where the circumstance weighed on him. And when we look at this, it says, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. We can look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was getting ready to be crucified. He inquired of the Lord three times and he said, God, please. If there's any way for you to take this cup from me, if there's any way for this to go down in a different way, please, Lord, make it so. But he said, if not, even if it isn't, I'll still do it. I'll still have emunah. I still have emunah in you. And he said, it says he scorned it. He hated it. He hated this. He was a man. He knew what was about to happen. He knew that they were going to blindfold him and beat him over the head. They were going to spit on him. 
He knew they were going to place a crown of thorns digging into his skull, cutting his flesh. He knew that he would be brought before Pilate and they would whip him and flog him with a whip that had nails and glass and sharp stones, tearing his flesh, ripping his eyes, ears, cutting them, tearing the flesh off of his back. He knew. He knew he was going to feel every single step when he had to pick up that cross, walk up a hill, falling on the ground, bear wood on his back. He knew he was going to feel every nail piercing his wrist and his feet, suspended in the air on a cross that was not even for people that committed crimes, but for the lowest form of society, who committed the worst, most heinous crimes. And even if you committed the crime, if you weren't a slave, a cross was not considered proper punishment. He, considered, he took the worst punishment possible, mocked, spit on. They nailed him to the cross so that the only way that he could support himself was if he strained. So each breath that he had to breathe for over six hours was painful. They beat him to the point where his mother didn't even know who he was. His own mother came up and said, which one is Jesus? He knew it. He knew. He felt every single thing. But it says, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he did it. He endured the cross. Church, you are the joy set before him. You are the joy that was set before him. You are the joy that when he was going through that beating, he looked at you and said, you are the joy. He looked at you. He looked through generations. He looked through time. He looked through this host of witnesses, this cloud of witnesses. And he said, that church on the North Coast that day, they're going to be sitting there and they're going to experience my love. So it's worth it. I'll endure this. He looked at you. He said, you are the joy set before me. And because of that joy, I will endure every second of this. Because you're worth it. You are worth it. He considered you worth it. You are the joy set before him. And it finishes off with this. Considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Church, consider him. When this life starts to beat you down a little bit. <laughs> or if this life starts to give you some great stuff and you decide you don't need Emunah anymore. You better consider him in the ups and the downs, and the good and the bad. Consider him who had such opposition, who was beat that way, who was beat mercilessly, who died for you. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart when this life is getting at you, when people are talking bad, when you have to forgive, 
when you have to pray for that person that broke your heart, when you have to forgive them, when you have to have peace and be still like you spoke earlier in worship, when he tells you to just be quiet and sit still, even though everybody seems like they're coming against you and you want to fight, when he tells you to sit still, consider the one who endured the cross. Consider the one who endured the cross and say, I have emunah. I have emunah. I have a support of truth that cannot be shaken. I have a support of truth that will not be shaken. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you for your slander. Thank you for whatever it is that you think you have over me by saying these things. But I have this deep-rooted conviction in this truth that says your opinion will not stand up against 6,000 years of truth. Your opinion will not stand up against my Lord and Savior, who is the Word made flesh, coming and dying for me, staring at me through time. That weak opinion will not stand up to the cloud of witnesses who left their mark on this earth through their emunah. So as I close today, I want to invite everyone to stand. With every eye closed in this room, if this is your first time hearing this or feeling God's love or the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you today, and you're like, man, I need that. I want to give you an opportunity to have your name written down in that book of eternity, in the Lamb's book of life. And if that's you today, you can say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. You could just repeat this prayer in your own words and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for everything you did for me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow your ways. I want to live for you. I acknowledge that you are my Savior. I acknowledge that you are the one who sustains me, God. Jesus, be the king of my heart. Sit on the throne of my world and guide me, God. Amen. For everybody else in this room, just want you to ask the Lord right now with our hands extended to heaven. Say, God, I have emunah. <laughs> I have emunah every day. I'm going to obey. I'm going to support your truth. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I commit to filling my heart with your word. Lord, allow your voice to be the loudest in my head. Fill my heart with your words, Jesus. Fill my heart with your love, Jesus. Allow me to follow you well. Lord, I have faith. Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. Pray that each and every day that their emunah will grow. The good and the bad, the ups and the downs. That they will follow you with all their hearts. 
that when they get shakier, things start to distract, their sin starts to entangle, God. Allow them to consider what you did. Allow them to focus in on who you are. The opposition that you faced. And allow them to focus on your face, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We pray that our lives are edifying unto you. We look forward to seeing you again. We look forward to joining the cloud of witnesses, God. Look forward to being with you. But until then, God, Allow our lives to bring heaven to earth each and every day. Allow your will to be done through us each and every day. Fill us with your presence, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. See you guys next time.